how comforting is that to know that even if it's something that's so difficult and so painful, to know that this is not random. There's no random acts of pain or suffering. These are intentional acts that are meant to to create something. I feel like it takes some of the burden away. Hello there, I'm Tanya, and you are listening to Episode 7 of Human and Holy, a podcast by The Tanya Project, where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is sponsored by Chava and is dedicated to the soul searchers and meaning seekers. She writes, may Hashem open our minds and hearts and guide us. How beautiful is that dedication? I just want to take a moment to thank you for being here. I feel like more than ever, we are a generation that is really seeking truth. And I feel strengthened knowing that we are collectively digging deeper and really investing in discovering the voice of our souls. Thank you for being here with me. I feel like we're walking the journey together. To sponsor an episode or become a supporter on Patreon, You can reach out at humanandholy at gmail.com. In today's episode, I interview Javi Brook about the idea of hashkacha pratis, detailed divine guidance, and how that concept has shaped the way she deals with challenges that God sent to her doorstep. After Javi got married, she and her husband discovered that they were not destined to have biological children, which led them to have a beautiful family through adoption. Javi talks about how the concept of Ashkacha Pratis has allowed her to see her life circumstances not as burdens, but as roadmaps to her soul's purpose. And then she also speaks about those times when the roadmaps may seem a little hazy and the purpose isn't so clear. And that, she says, is when you have to really reframe the way you view the world. Even if we know that God is in charge. Sometimes we forget that he is guiding the tiniest details of our lives, and there is absolutely nothing that happens to us by mistake. My name is Javi Brook. I live in Bozeman, Montana for the last 14 years, and I have five children through adoption, and that has definitely changed the trajectory of my life. Today, you're going to be talking about Hashkacha Pratis detailed divine supervision. So can you tell us a little bit about Hashkacha Pratis from the sources of Hasidus that you've learned it from? Yes, I would love to. Okay. So Hashkacha Pratis is such an amazing concept. It's usually loosely translated as divine providence, but we forget about the Pratis part, the detailed part. And Hashkacha Pratis means that every single thing that occurs in this world has a purpose. And, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, there was great debates and discussions of what does Hashkacha actually mean? Does it mean that God is the producer of the world, but not the director? And he kind of just lets things play out. And then there's an argument, does it apply to just humans or does it apply to plants and vegetation and animals as well? Or does it apply to just Jewish people or not Jewish people? So there's been all these different debates and conversations with the great rabbis of every generation. And what now has become common was really brought forth by the Baal Shem Tov. And he was the one that really kind of introduced Hashkacha Pratis in a way that we just view it today. We take for granted how we, how we view Hashkacha Pratis. But the Baal Shem Tov was the one that told us that every single detail that happens in this world, and you know, the famous story of even the leaf falling from the tree to cover the worm, that is detailed intervention. That means everything that happens in this world is orchestrated by God and nothing happens by chance. Nothing's coincidence. Nothing just happens. Everything has a reason and a purpose. Can you share the story of the leaf and the worm? 
So the story about of the leaf and the Baal Shem Tov is that the Baal Shem Tov was on a walk with his students and his students were asking, like, is it true that every single thing that happens in the world has a purpose of basically asking about the concept of Hashkacha Pratis? And the Baal Shem Tov says, yes. And even you see this leaf floating through the wind, even that, like that has a purpose. And what's the purpose of that? You see this leaf is going to come down and it's going to cover this little worm or this little creature and going to protect him from the sun. There was a reason why that leaf fell from the tree. It didn't just happen to fall off, right? Like there's a purpose to that. And that is just really shining a light on how far the idea of Hashkacha Pratis goes. Not for just big things, not for just humans, just every little thing that happens in the world doesn't happen without godly intervention. Nice. I love that. And I feel like that idea is so much more revolutionary than it seems at the surface. As you said, it's been so integrated that it's hard to remember that the way that people used to look at God was that he was too big to fit into the small details. And here it's like, no, he's so big that he fits into the small details. Exactly. Like we take for granted how commonplace and how obviously God is involved in our lives. But it's a concept that had to be really, really, really brought out and talked about and explained until we are now in this place where it's a common belief. You don't even think about it otherwise, but it's, it is huge. It allows you to view life and the world in a whole different way than if you don't understand the concept of Hashgach Pratis. I like that. And even though I do think that it's really common lingo, I know for myself, Hashkach Partis is something that I take for granted, like the idea of it. I still don't know if everyone who's been exposed to that idea necessarily sees it in their daily life or is so cognizant of it. And I totally agree with you because even though this concept is integrated in our in our life, if you don't remind yourself about it every single day, you forget and you think, oh, like why is this happening to me? There's no reason or nothing. This doesn't make any sense. And it's a practice that takes so much work and so much effort. And it's not something that just happens. Like you have to pay attention to it and you have to, you know, really be committed to living your life that way. When would you say that you first started paying more attention to the Hashkacha practice that you were seeing in your life? So exactly as you said, like, so you grow up, I, I grew up in a Chabad Hasidic family, you know, you, you, you learn Hasidus, you're in school, you hear the concepts, and you don't really pay much attention, because it's like, when you're young, and you're a teenager, like, you don't automatically just adapt these, you, you, the periphery, right? Like, you're just, of course, it's part of your life, so to say. So the first time I actually had to like confront this concept face to face in a really big way is when I was 23. My husband and I have struggled with infertility. We had gone to New York for a procedure and that procedure was going to make or break whether we were going to have biological children. And it was like all our eggs were in one basket, right? Like it was either it was going to work or it wasn't going to work. So that procedure didn't work. It wasn't successful. The surgeon came and told us, he's like, according to nature, you guys are not having biological children. And that's like when that concept was like smacked in front of my face because, and I talk about this a lot and I'm telling you that this concept saved my life because if I didn't like have this idea of Hashkacha Pratis in the back of my mind, if I didn't understand it or know about it at all, and if I would have just been like, I'm not having biological children and there's no reason for, there's no reason I can understand. And there's no like, then my life is done. Uh, this is how I wanted my life to be my like, and I'm going to fall apart. And I'm like, what's the purpose, right? Like, how am I going to move on if I think that this is, has no reason and no purpose? So I had to confront this idea and be like, no, I believe that everything happens for a reason. So even though I don't understand why God decided that me and my husband are not going to have biological children, I understand that there's a reason for it. And I understand that God has a plan and there's purpose. And that is really what gave me the strength to move forward through this. Like I'm not, of course there was grief and pain and all those things. It's not, it doesn't take that away, but there's foundation, there's grounding. Like I can grieve and I can be in pain, but I know that I'm going to come out the other side because I know that there's a bigger picture. 
And whether I get to see it or not is irrelevant to the fact that I know that God is not just the producer of the world. He's the director of the world. Nice. And he's, he's like a puppeteer, right? He's creating all those little pieces to create this grand show or this grand final product. And I don't necessarily know all the little pieces that have to happen through that. So that is the real, like the first time that I had to confront it in a big way. And then once that happened, it's like every single day I confront this idea. You know, life is complicated. Life is hard. And sometimes I'm just like, why is this happening? And I always have to come back to this concept. There's a reason. You know, and sometimes we're lucky. Sometimes we get to actually see the reason. And then you're going to be like, oh, you." and, and sometimes it's years later, right? You'll be like, right. oh, remember that thing that happened? There's a, there was a reason for that. That's happening like now I get it, right? So sometimes we get to enjoy the fruits of our labor and we're like, wow, that made so much sense. It's so cool to know. And sometimes we really don't and we're not going to know. First of all, I find it so powerful that there was this idea that you had in your toolbox that you never had to call upon in this big way. And then when you were faced with a situation where it could be like, why me, right? So that that reassurance, as you said, that it wasn't random. It was like done with total intention is so, it's so reassuring, I think. And it's powerful because nobody wants to, I think the most detrimental thing for a human, because we're created to be productive, the most detrimental thing is to feel like you have no purpose or you're not affecting change or you're not accomplishing anything, right? To know that nothing's random and nothing is just pointless is super powerful. It really is. And it's life-changing. How do you use it on a daily basis to comfort yourself when things are happening that you'd rather not be happening to you? First of all, I want to, you, you said before you said, you can ask yourself, why me? Like, I still totally ask myself that every single day. I'm like, right. God, go pick on someone your own size, you know, like, you know, like leave me alone. I'm yeah. done. Um, but I think we can all relate to this concept, especially for the year that we've had, like, why is this right? Why is this pandemic happening? Why is COVID happening? Why are schools shutting down? Like, I can't do this, you know, like, can't have my kids home all day. I, it's so, you know, all the different myriads of challenges we are experiencing. And I find that sometimes I'm completely overwhelmed with them. And then I, I find that, yes, I have overwhelming moments, but then I regroup and I'm like, okay, I can do this. You know why, how I know I can do this? It's because God is doing it to me. He's providing for me this challenge, which means that I'm 100% capable of conquering this challenge. And I, I like the analogy of like mail. You get a letter in the mailbox that's addressed to you that's meant for you. So if you kind of look at your challenges as like your mail, nice. it's for you. It's for nobody else. You have to open up your mail and you have to you have to deal with it, right? So when we can regroup and we can be like, this is happening right? Like it's out of our control. This is happening. And for some crazy reason, God has a reason why this is happening. And I believe there's a really big purpose. So I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way to be a part of this and to make it happen. It's going to happen whether I like it or not. So let me at least be involved and let me at least put my best foot forward and figure out a way to move through this challenge and understand that this challenge is handpicked for me, right? Like, not, like we said, nothing's random. And I always talk about the fact that everyone's heard this story where if you all put your challenges in the middle, everyone would kind of pick their own challenge back. And it's so true because God knows the buttons to push. He knows what you need to grow and to get out of your comfort zone. So sometimes our challenges, yes, they get the better of us and they knock us down. But a lot of times if we focus on the fact that this challenge was created for me and I can do it, we get back up and we persevere and we figure out ways to get through the challenge. And this most annoying cliche statement is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Unfortunately, that's reality. Because if you look back at every single challenge that you've had, it's impossible not to go through a challenge without growth. Wow. Name me a time where you went through a challenge and you didn't change or grow from it. Yes, you took a beating too, right? Like I have a like just now we were on a family trip and we went surfing, right? 
surfing is hard and you take a beating, right? But you grow, like eventually you get on that board and you stand up. Doesn't mean you're not going to be beaten to death, right? Not to death, but like <laughs> by the way, come out of surfing and you're bruised and you're smacked and you're you're exhausted, right? But you grew and you accomplished something. I love that analogy of mail. That's such a great analogy because it's true. Like the mail showed up at your door and there's nothing you can do about it. You can do about it. Yeah. And God, he wrote your address on it. You know, it didn't come to you by mistake. I really love that. And I love how you connected it too. how the mail is connected to your mission in this world. And only through opening the mail and dealing with what's inside, can you get to where you need to go? And only you can deal with it, right? Somebody right. else can't, can't take care of your bills and your mail and all the, that stuff. It's, it's for you. It was handpicked for you. And so someone shared with me that analogy and it, it like so hit home. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. So, and so during COVID or I'm having a challenge with my kid, I try to reframe the challenge as not as, oh my gosh, this is like a disaster that's happening to me. It's like, this is my mail and I got to open it and I got to deal with it, right? Like this is was handpicked for me. And if it was handpicked for me, then a hundred percent, I can deal with it with a lot of effort, but I'm capable. I'd like to know if in the moment, this line of thinking helps you through a challenge, like in the moment that something is happening during your day, when something isn't going the way you would like for it to. If I'm being perfectly honest, it's usually as a reflection. So like in the moment, if I'm struggling and let's say for my easiest example is I'm struggling with one of my kids and I've had it, I'm done. And I either raise my voice or I'm impatient or whatever. And in the moment, I can't always stop the trajectory of my immediate reaction. Sometimes I can. Sometimes I'm like, okay, regroup, 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 take a deep breath. Like if we can be intentional. And then sometimes I can't. But I also feel like it's just as powerful as if when you are done a moment and you can reflect back on it and be like, okay, this happened. It's going to happen again, right? Because like it's going to happen probably a couple times a minute or an hour reevaluating like, okay, so this is not happening to me. This is not a, you know, this is not something that I can't deal with. I'm going to regroup. This is my challenge, my package. And how do I want to deal with it? And that has been really helpful for me because then I go back and I'm in the scenario again and I can do it differently because I've kind of prepped and I've, I've thought about it. I took the time to think about it. So I like to sometimes, you know, and, and then it becomes the more you do it, then eventually like, yeah, in the moment, like I can regroup and I can be like, okay, deep breath. I got this. Right. And then sometimes it depends on what, how, how, like, how full is our tank? How much sleep we have, right? Like what capacity do we have in the moment? And sometimes we don't have the capacity. And that's an example of getting beat down by the wave, right? Like we got beat from the wave. We, we were under the water, but then we get back up. You know, we don't just, oh, wow, we're, we're a terrible person because we got conquered by the wave, you know? We're like, no, like I'm human. That one got the better of me. And I'm going to think about how I can do it differently. I love that. I love that idea because I think that so much of how we live our lives is how we reframe the situation after it happens. And then going forward, so we much. can experience it differently and experience, like even from you, I'm, I'm really inspired by the way that you have reframed your experience, even though it comes, it doesn't come with less challenge, but the way that you frame it makes it your mission in life instead of your burden in life. Exactly. I love how you phrase that. So instead of like my infertility or, or which is the biggest example that I have actually, you know, I have more big ones that we can talk about, but the first big example that I've had is that it's not, oh, so now infertility is going to define me. And that is, you know, going to be my cross to bear right now. It's okay. This is my challenge. And what am I going to do with it? Right? How am I going to reframe and reevaluate my life in a way? Because I know God has a reason why I'm on this world. Like there is a purpose, right? And I just have to find it. And I kind of feel like sometimes when we get that smack in the face, it's if you can look at it, it's almost like a blessing in disguise because it makes our path a little bit more clear, right? Like we get to be like, oh, so that wasn't my path. So 
what are my options left? And it kind of narrows down like what, what's available to you. And then you have a more of like a defined journey. So for me, like I can be totally wrong. Like Mashiach could come and I could be like, whoa, I was way off base. But, <laughs> while I, but what I feel right now is that I was meant to be put in this world to create my family in this unique way and to adopt my children and I'm a real advocate to like adapting to situations, right? And not letting it destroy you and define you. So I believe that this is my purpose. This is my journey. And I get to see that so clear. That's like the little silver lining and the blessing in disguise to be redirected so clearly. That's so beautiful. I love that you're interpreting Hashkacha practice as really defining your journey because then it becomes less about survival and more about using them as guides. Where you, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It takes a lot of work and a lot of self-talk and a lot of like fake it till you make it, right? Like these concepts take practice. They're not going to happen overnight. And you know, a lot of conversations with your spouse or your family or whoever is on the journey with you, like it just, it does, but we all have that power within us. We were born with it. We were born with the power to be resilient and to make something of our life, no matter what's put before us. And Hashkach Pratis, Hashem guiding us is something that's within us because it's within our neshama. Is that right? And clarity. Yeah. And like when you, so going back to this concept that we're really focusing on is it happens for a reason and it's intentional. It's intentional. Everything that happens, there's intent behind it. I don't know. How comforting is that? How to know that even if it's, even if it's something that's so difficult and so painful to know that this is not random, there's no random acts of pain or suffering. These, these are intentional acts that are meant to, to create something. I feel like it takes some of the burden away. It takes some of the, like, this isn't in our control. Like sometimes, you know, we, uh, we want to be, we want to be in, in control. Like we want to be able to dictate what happens to us. We want to not be surprised. We want to plan. And it's very, very hard to realize that very, very little is in your control. What's in your control is mostly how you react to your situation, not what happens to you. Nice. You know, it's really the only thing that you control is how you react to your reality. And when we embrace that, it's so freeing because when you can just be like, okay, like I don't get to control that, right? I don't get to control how my child behaves. I can provide tools, but I, I don't, I don't control his choices, right? Or his or her choices. It's a little bit like, you don't have to own everybody's baggage and your own baggage. You can just be like, I'm doing the best that I can with my mail, right? Like with my package. And then the rest you leave to God. Your words bring to mind a few lines from a poem from Yehoshua November called Two Worlds Exist. It's a whole long, beautiful poem about his daughter either being born deaf or becoming deaf and different challenges that God gave him in his life. And the closing sentences of the poem are, when I was young, I thought mystical teachings would erase sorrow. Now I know that they do not erase sorrow. They say, this is your life. What will you do with it? I love that, which is exactly what I want the world to know, right? Like this is what I feel is like my personal, you know, everyone has the things that they feel strongly about. And this is, that's my thing. What are you going to do with what you get? So powerful. So powerful. Can you share any other instances in your life? Obviously this is the biggest and I'm happy to talk about it more. Also, if there's more areas, I'm sure, cause it's such a detailed and nuanced thing. You know, the, there's that big curveball in the beginning. And then as it continuously affects your life every day. I almost feel like it's, I, I think this is going to sound crazy, but I think if we think about it, it, it's really true. Like I almost think it's easier to adapt the concept of Hashkacha Pratis for really big things. And then in the day-to-day -day life, it's much harder. I feel like it's easier to be like, okay, this huge thing happened, obviously that's directed by God, but when the dishwasher breaks or the kids don't have school for two weeks or, you know, that kind of stuff, like that is harder to come to terms with because it's your day-to-day -day life and it's a lot being thrown at you. And it's just to, to constantly remember that every little thing, even though it seems insignificant or seems like, what does God care? You know, like what, you know, the little things are also 
happening for a reason. And I think that's a little harder to actually manage than the big, obvious things. You know, it's almost like, you know, it's eat, like I always laugh. I'm like, I have zero issue making this like big, huge decision, like moving to Montana or adopting or like those, I can make that decision in a minute. But then the, the little decisions of like, what should we have for dinner? I'm like, ah, I don't know, you know, like, so I feel like it's kind of like the same concept, like these big things that are thrown at us. We, we are like, oh, this is big. Like I get this, but the little things are harder. But when we constantly just keep on familiarizing ourselves with that concept and just making it part of your day-to-day lingo and day-to-day the way you talk to your kids and the the day-to-day like how you talk to yourself you can apply it more and more specifically as you said with the big with the big things in life it can sometimes be easier and let's say specifically with your case of your life looking totally different than you expected it to really pushed you on to this mission of adopting children that you potentially wouldn't have been led to if you hadn't had this struggle, right? So I'm interested to hear if you can share possibly another example, big or small, where you maybe didn't see how it redirected you to your mission. I think this next one will kind of touch on that because it's an ongoing journey. And the one I was going to say was adopting my 12-year-old. I have a daughter that I adopted at 12 and it felt obviously like divine providence in in the beginning like how she came to our family and how did she land up you know at our doorstep like obviously god had to orchestrate all these little details for it to actually happen and so in the beginning that felt very obvious but then as time went on when you know she's struggling and she's not thriving right and she has so much trauma and there's so much pain and She's struggling with her mental health and with self-harming and, you know, just so many different struggles. And I asked myself, like, what's the point if she's not even thriving and not even happy and doesn't even feel obvious of why she's here, right? I didn't save her, right? Like, I, it's wow. not working, right? Like, right. what's the purpose, right? You know, I still don't know. Baruch Hashem, we've been on an amazing journey. She's been such a blessing in our family and we've grown together so much as a family conquering all these challenges right like i wouldn't change it for the world but sometimes you can be like what's the purpose am i even affecting change am i even doing anything and i feel like that's a concept where we don't necessarily get to see the end result and it may or may not be successful but it doesn't change the fact that she was meant to be in our family part of our family as my daughter, whether we see positive growth from it or not. Thank you for bringing in that example. I feel like that's relatable, not necessarily in the specific example to me because I'm not experiencing that, but in that idea that it's easier to experience Ashkach practice when you see so clearly how God sent, he sent you there for a reason that you can Mm -hmm. see. But when, like you said, you don't see growth, you don't see I, I love that. Like yeah. I can save her the way I wanted to and the way it initially seemed I would be able to. Yeah. It's also, it's because it's what I like to talk about a lot is, is you expect a certain outcome, right? You do this thing and you expect a certain result or an outcome. And the concept is, is that Hashkacha Pratis still applies, even if it's the not the outcome that you expected, because that's not the outcome that God expected. Like you don't, you know, obviously you don't know what he had in mind or the backstory uh, or the situation or what could have been or should have, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't know that. So you do this big thing and you feel like, okay, this is this big thing. And it's obviously because it was put before me. And why else would I be in this position? And then you do the thing and you're like, well, that didn't turn out how I expected. Right. And then you can like kind of second guess, like, well, why is this even happening? like a marriage ending or yeah exactly a perfect example and then but then you have to remember that that's still practice. that's still part of the journey that's still divine providence that all those things is still intentional and i feel like that's really hard because we're we're programmed for results right like we want to put in the effort and we want to see the fruits of our labor and when we don't see that we, we question everything. We throw our hands up in the air and be like, well, what's the point anyway? Right. You know, oh, I can't even yeah. tell you how many times I've done that. I'm like, well, what's the point? Like, why even try? Everybody has situations in their lives where 
it doesn't turn out how they expected. And you put so much effort into something that either fails or looks like a failure, right? Nothing's, nothing's really a failure. It's just part of the journey, but it looks like it fails and you, it looks like there was no purpose to it, but it's just not like that. That's just not the way God created the world. Crazy. Crazy because we can't see it. So like that, which makes it, which makes it so hard, which makes it, which makes it work, right? Which makes it something that we have to constantly struggle with and come to terms with. And it's never like your the journey's never over. It's not like, oh, I got it. I have it made. Hashkacharpratis, like I've got it in the bag, you know? Like I don't think it's ever gonna be that way unless you're a tzaddik, right? Like then you don't struggle with these kinds of things. But us regular people, we're created for the struggle, right? We're created to, um, it's the beauty in the struggle. It's the beauty in the work. It's the effort. There's so much value in the effort that we put into something. Even necess- I would even venture to say more than the end result. Nice. Because we were put here to, as human beings with with a human understanding to uncover the godly reality. And that that might never be in sync, even though I do think that the more you practice something like this, the more the easy the more easily it comes. For sure. In small For sure. That's For it. sure. You find that Yeah, of course. The practice, the more practice you get, I, I think the easier it is going to be for you to turn to this coping mechanism, but it's still going to take work. You're still going to have to work and talk yourself through it and be really present and intentional about it. It's not, I don't think it's ever going to be something that isn't going to take your presence of mind. You're going to have to consciously go there. I love that you called Hashgacha practice a coping mechanism, a way of interpreting what happens to you. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because I talk about it all the time. I'm like, if I didn't have the foundation of Hasidus or this concept, I don't know where I would be because of all the things that were thrown at me. And if I just didn't feel there was a purpose or a bigger picture, I'd be so lost, you know? And so many people do end up feeling that way, right? They feel lost. They don't have an anchor. They feel like they're roaming without any purpose. And there's so much pain and there's so much, you know, and that's what leads to the maladaptive coping skills, drugs or self-harm. It's all either to not feel anything because you too much or to feel something, like when my daughter was going through self-harm, she would explain it like, I just want to feel something. I want to make sure that I'm alive because I'm so numb. So wow. you, you have to hurt yourself so you can feel that you're pr- even present in this world. Hashgacha Pratis is taking that and feeling all the feels, but understanding that it's for a reason. And we're not just roaming souls with no direction or purpose. You have to work hard to find the direction but it's there. You got to look at what's presented in front of you. Does it ever frustrate you when you think of Ashkacha practice that God is so intimately guiding your life, but he's giving you a load that you might not, not a load, but he's giving you a direction that you might not want to take. Have you ever felt, okay, this is what God is giving me, but can I just resist it and choose something else? Oh yeah. Every day, every day, every day. day. I'm a fighter. I (laughs) resist. I'm like, Basically, like my husband's like, are you ever going to like learn? I'm like, when like school was shutting down and stuff, I was like, I can't do this. This is not happening. I'm not on board. 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 Guess what? I had to get on board. But I fought it till the very end, you know, every day, every day. I'm like, I don't want this, you know, or I am notorious for saying I can't do this. Even my mother bought me a, a mug for my birthday that says I can't. Like, <laughs> for real. But and you've done I have, right. I, but I'm like, my initial reaction is I can't do this. As I'm doing it, I'm saying I can't do this, you know? And I am really starting to try to switch that and saying I can't do this. Instead of my initial reaction is I can't do this because our body absorbs that and then it turns into reality. And I don't want to have that message. I don't want that message to constantly be, I can't. So this is the work I'm doing right now is that whenever I have this feeling of, I can't, I switch it to, I can't, I can do this. I don't know how, and I don't know when, or I don't know how this is going to turn out. But the initial message I want to try to give myself is I can do this. I can do this. You know why? Because it's my mail right? Like God gave it to me so I can do this. 
this is such a recent development for me because my initial reaction was always, I can't. And it's it was affecting my health because that's what our body absorbs. And I'm like, I don't want that anymore. I want to switch to even like before I even like think about how I'm going to do it. I just want the initial message to be, I can do this. Right. I, I can do this. And then figure out the details of it later. But that's the thing that I'm working on right now. It's so hard, especially because for 36 years, I'm like, I can't. Programming. <laughs> yeah, it's the total reprogramming. And our brains are super powerful and we can reprogram them, which is unbelievable. It takes a lot of work because our neural pathways develop with what we do. And to undo, it's hard, but it's doable. And if we stick at it and we I listen to a lot of people on podcasts and read book who are books who are very into, you know, mindset and the messages that we give ourselves. And it's like, you can't expect something to be different if you don't do anything differently. Like so many times you just expect change by doing what we always do. That's never going to happen, right? Like if you want to change something in your life, you've got to do something different. And so my little thing is I have to tell myself that I could. Like the little messages that pop up in my head need to be empowering for myself. And then hopefully I figure it out. But, you know, I can't have this initial just negative reaction. I love that you said that about changing our neuropathways because it's so mind-blowing that if we learn chassidus, learn this concept of pratis of seeing Hashem's guidance in every small area of our life, if we do it again and again and again and again, we can change the way we see the world and ourselves and our lives. It's amazing. I always, I always say like Tanya's like the original self-help book. If you read Tanya and you're familiar with the therapeutic world, it's literally the same. It is mind blowing. And, you know, all these concepts of your own power and your the 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 power of your thoughts and your speech and your actions like it's huge and everything we do has an impact totally if you feel comfortable to share i'd be so interested to hear an area of your life where you got mail but it was more internal so we all have mail which is like i'm using your i'm like going to town with that analogy well, yeah. i love it Let's i love it <laughs> it is it's your mail but we all have life circumstances that we were given that guides us to our purpose or might not necessarily do so in a revealed way but what about the character traits that we get that we might not like and don't necessarily feel like they are serving us I'd be very interested to hear your take on, you could share it personally or even just your perspective on how that's also connected to divine guidance. I strongly believe that every character trait has a negative and a positive. So I always joke, I'm like, the the thing that you love, let's say for example, your husband, right? The thing you love about your husband the most is the thing that's going to drive you the crazy the most, right? So let's say he's super outgoing and super friendly and is a life of the party and that you fell in love with that. At some point that is going to be so annoying to you because you're going to you're going to be at a party, he's going to be the life of the party, he's going to be stealing the show, he's going to never he's not going to want to go home, he's not going to be in tune to your feelings and you're going to be like I hate it. You know, like so every single every single character trait is positive or negative. So if we get like a character trait that we really don't appreciate about ourselves, I feel like it's just about how are you going to use that? So if you hate the fact that like for me the thing that is really my biggest challenge, well, I wouldn't say my biggest challenge, but one of the things I struggle with the most is patience. I don't have a lot of patience. I'm a really impatient person. And that can serve me really well because the fact that I'm not a dweller and I don't wallow and I'm not patient, like that's what allowed me to move on from my challenges and traumas in a productive way. So I'm like, okay, I can't have children biologically. I'm not going to say that I didn't have grief and pain and I still deal with grief and pain from that. But I wasn't going to just crumble and just stay in stagnant. I was like, what am I doing? Like, how am I getting out of this situation? Right. And so that's a really positive way of using that character trait. But then there's a lot of negative ways that are a huge challenge for me, especially when you're raising children. I'm like, I don't have patience. I don't want to sit and play with you. I don't want to listen to your thousand stories. I don't have patience. I'm like, I don't want to do it. 
So instead of looking at that as like, oh my gosh, I have, I hate this about myself. And this is a character trait that's going to be the end of me or going to get the better of me or whatever. It's like, well, how do I transform that character trait into something that's positive? And at the same time, you sometimes have to do the things you don't like, right? Not everything is going to be super enjoyable. So sometimes, yes, I get to sit on the floor and play with my kids, even though it's the last thing that I want to do in the world. I I know this is going to be like, oh, how could you say that? But I don't like playing. I don't like playing with my kids. I don't like it. I never want to do it. I never want to sit on the floor and play blocks and play pretend and dress up and kitchen. And I don't have an interest, but does that mean that I don't do it? It just means that it's really, really hard for me. And I have to have a put immense effort to do that. And it also means that I don't always have to do that, right? You find, you know, you, you find the times where you can, and it makes sense. So, I don't, so I'm not sure if this is answering your question, but every single person is going to have the things that they don't necessarily love about themselves or they wish that were different. And if, I could say, if only I were patient, if only I like to do these things, my mothering and my experience as a mother would be so much easier. But no, because you'll have something else that's going to be a challenge, right? So instead right. of like being like, oh my gosh, I hate this about myself and I want to change it. And I want to, if only, if only I didn't have this obstacle, it would be different. I think that's, that's not, that's toxic, right? That's not actually the answer, right? The answer is confronting and understanding that this is a challenge for you and being gentle with yourself and slowly, but surely growing in that area and like flexing that muscle, right? Practicing patience when, when you can, and then being kind to yourself when you don't have it and understanding that the flip side of this character trait is something really, really amazing and powerful. I like that. that, Would you give that up? But everything has, like God created the world to be like, it's in Tanya, right? You know, with everything, the godly soul, the animal soul has. God created the world to be equal. So everything positive, there's a negative side to it, right? Just like you can't have joy without pain. When I always talk about like to my children, even I'm like, if you don't want to feel pain, you're not going to feel joy. You can't pick and choose how you, what you feel. If you want to cut off all your feelings and not feel, then you're not going to feel joy either. In order to feel joy, you need to feel pain. I like that you're saying that because what I'm hearing is that the beautiful and the difficult things that Hashem give us are very much intertwined. The same yes. way you said in the beginning that like whatever struggles Hashem gave you also led you to your deepest purpose. And so yes. whatever, nice. I yeah, really like exactly what I'm saying. Thank you for yeah. like clarifying that. <laughs> I'm really listening to you. <laughs> Can you end off with some practical tips for me and for anyone listening on how to retrain our minds and help us see the Hashkacha practice and the detailed divine guidance in every moment of our lives? I'm not the always the best at practical tips, but I will tell you what I have done to help foster this kind of outlook first of all, is thinking about it. The things that we think about affect the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we speak, and the way we act, right? It all starts in the mind, which is also kind of a Hasidic concept, which has been adapted by the therapeutic world, is you can control your thoughts, right? We can't control that we think. You can't control the like the flash of the thought, but you can control whether to give it attention or whether to think about it. So be intentional of what you choose to think about. Because so, so much of our pain comes from being stuck in a negative thought, right? A fear of the future, a regret of the past, an anxiety, right? Like that's so much of where our pain comes from. So when you start to become a little bit more intentional of what you're going to think about, it's going to change. It's going to change in a very significant way. So if you want to start addressing this concept of divine providence or in detailed divine providence, um, start to think about it. And, you know, meditation is really big right now and has been for a few years now. And it's very, very powerful. And again, Tanya, what does it talk about? It talks about meditation, right? What are you going to meditate on? The greatness of God. So you can get a little bit more specific. If you're someone who meditates, pick that thought. Everything that happens is, has a purpose, that's all, right? It's four words, right? Everything that happens has a purpose. And if you don't meditate, 
you can start or you can just throughout your day, you know, something happens that isn't expected, is really challenging, disappointing, you know, not something that you planned for. Everything has a purpose. Just keep, it's like a mantra, you know, like they tell you like in therapy or, or live coaches or whatever, have a mantra, right? Like have something that you can fall back on when you're struggling. What are you going to tell yourself? And for me, it's everything has a purpose. And obviously so ties into, we didn't get into it, but so ties into your faith, right? And if you believe that everything has a purpose and you have faith in God, you are, you're going to be okay. Like you got this. And the other thing that I wanted to quickly tie in is that the Baal Shem Tov really kind of publicized three concepts and one was divine providence and one was joy. And if you believe in the Hashkacha process and the divine providence, you're going to have a hard time living life without joy because you know that there's a plan and you start to enjoy and appreciate life. So kind of those two concepts also go together is the ability to live life with joy goes together with understanding that everything happens for a reason. And the third concept was Ava Sisral, which is, you know, not just in your head thinking that we have to love every single Jew, but with actual action, right? But that's just a side note. So practically, I, I struggle with hoping that you don't think this is this is practical and it's like frou-frou, but it is really how I did it. It's just being intentional about what you choose to think about. And the hundreds of times a day where we have to uh, deploy, you know, this coping skill, just come back to it. Everything happens for a reason. And you'll start, you know, if you have a mantra, you start to think it, you'll start to feel it and you'll start to act it and you'll start to live your life in that way. So that's one practical way. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. use that mantra this week. I'm going to try it this week. I'll report back. Try it. Please yeah. Everything Please happens for a reason. Because I know it, but using it as a mantra just throughout your day, whenever anything happens, that might not necessarily be in your idea of what your day should look like. It's just such a powerful thing to do. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Like my son, I actually, my husband had to pick up my son from school today because he was being violent and not able to be in school. And my initial reaction was like, what the heck? What am I going to do with him now? And then I'm like, everything happens for a reason. Like maybe this will be a turning point for him. Maybe he'll, you know, maybe this is going to be, I don't know, that's wishful thinking. I don't think it's going to be that revolutionary, but it's happening for a reason. It just helps take some of that anger and some of that frustration away because you can't control it anyway. Right? Like no matter how hard you try, you aren't going to be able to change it. You're not going to be able to control it. So that's when I say like, that's why I say it's like so freeing because you're never going to be able to control it. So why not just embrace the fact that there's a purpose? I love it. I think with this concept, it's really just about keeping it at your forefront and like just keep on letting your brain go there. I think that that's really the way to embrace it like everything, right? Like everything's a mindset. But when we say like, there's very little in our control, what's in our control is how we react. And what we can control is what we think about, how we react to what's given, what's sent our way. It's all about your own behaviors. We always want to control everybody else. Like we want to control our kids. We want to control the politics. We want to, we want to be able to get, but very little do we actually think about well, let me control my own behaviors and my own actions. And that's really the only thing that is in our control. Right. So, and I learned that concept when my daughter went to a wilderness therapy program and they talked a lot about that. Like you don't control your children's outcomes, right? You just control like how you react and how you choose to live with this reality. And it was super life-changing and powerful for me. You don't always even get to choose your actions. Sometimes you can only choose your mindset. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's interesting that I was really impacted by this concept in a secular setting, right? It wasn't a Hasidic thing, but it is such a Hasidic concept. And then once it was like put in front of me, I'm like, wow, this whole idea of what's in my control, what's out of my control. And then finding it in Hasidus and being able to develop that concept 
through Hasidus just made it more powerful. Yeah. Because it's rooted in truth. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing your story and your internal workings and your mindset. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It was such an, it's such an honor. Elokai zakinina betoratcha uvimitzotecha mechaberet nishmati tamidelecha mechaber mechaber tamidelecha. I love the way Chavi described Hashgacha Pratis as reframing of life circumstances. Instead of unexpected events being impediments to our life's mission, they can be cues that help guide us to where we need to go. Even the smallest details in our lives, the tiny leaves falling off the branch. God is telling us something about our soul's story. Every single moment we experience is specifically addressed to us by God. Each moment is not happening to you, but for you. Javi's words inspire me to respond more fully and more intentionally to the mail that God sends to my doorstep. I will unpack this moment, this character trait, this relationship. I will read the letter addressed to me. I will remind myself that nothing is sent to me by mistake. I will try as best as I can to gather the material that God sends to my doorstep and to build my life with it.